Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is the Game by Show podcast. Today's January the 9th, 2019. My name is Legrand. I can't believe I'm playing Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. I beat it, and now I can't stop playing it. Jolly! And alongside me, Jeremy Lawman Lamont. Hello. Hey, Mikey. He likes it. And Dale Count Elmdor Jones. Good evening. Where's the beef? What? I thought we were doing like uh, like famous commercials, right? I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Jeremy just uh, keeps on going and going. Yeah, I did. And going. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Classic Jeremy. Little yellow. Different. Well, guys, it's uh, Wednesday. You guys had a good week so far. I mean, so far. Jeremy was lamenting the fact that he had to work a full work week this week, so Boo. I was wondering how it's going. Yeah, that always Boo. sucks. It's going all right. It's going all right. I had a lot of crap to do. I had a lot of meetings. And I have a lot of crap to do still this week. I had a I had a whole lot of spinning in my chair to do. I mean, I somebody's got to do it. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's all yeah. right to do some spinning around when you feel like it. Yeah, it's keep keep the earth on its axis. Just uh, everybody do your part. Shuffle some papers and spin around. Well, fellers, uh, today's the day where we talk about video games we've been playing. Mm-mm. Y'all down for that? Oh yes. I'm gonna start us out. And I'm going to set the, the, the standard for what the pace is supposed to be like so Jeremy understands what we're okay. supposed to be doing here. I'm going to be talking about a game. It's not uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, in case you were wondering. Mm-hmm. I need to slide that in, though. Uh, but I've been playing Stellaris on the PC. I know this is a game that's oh, been talked yeah. about on this podcast, so I'm not going to be able to go too deep into it. Or rather, I'm just not going to because, um, you know... I think it's been talked about by Jared. I believe it was talked about by Wesley Livesey, you know, years ago. Mm. So I think this game came out like what, three years ago, probably a while ago. A while ago. But there's new expansions and and like your experience with this kind of game. We want to hear it. So don't don't hold back. So give us us the scoop. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. Give it to you. So this game came out. When did it come out? Uh, 2016. So it has been two and a half years, I guess. And I believe Wesley did come on and talk about how much he loved it. Mm-hmm. That was such such a great game. Um, so generally speaking, I think I've talked about my experience with 4X games in the past, but they're generally games where I feel like I, I really want to like them and I really want to figure out how to play them and I really want to be a 4X gamer for whatever reason. Uh, and so I picked up Stellaris. I didn't buy any of the expansions because I figured I'm probably only going to get one game, full game of this in. I'm not going to... I'm not going to be dedicating my life to the 4X craft, right. or at least the Stellaris craft. So, I just picked up the base game on the Steam sale over the Christmas sale, which was it was only like ten bucks, um, and I promptly installed it and promptly didn't play it for a while. Um, <laughs> so, what kind of what I think kind of attracted me to Stellaris was that I'd ne- I'd never played a space 4X game. I believe I also have Endless Space installed on my computer. That's a 4X game, right? Is that a strategy 4X game? Super 4X game. Oh yeah. Is it good? Is it fun? It's way good. Yes, it's it's very elegant. And so I install, I fired this one up eventually, and um, I was com- immediately overwhelmed um, <laughs> by by what to do. I started up a game, and I I kind of just tried to use the t- in-game tutorial system to kind of tell me what to do. It's like, hey, you need to send your science vessel out and start surveying systems, and then you can take your construction guy, and you can build these things, and you got to build mining bases, and you got to build research stations. And, and pops. And all. Oh, wait, they're, they're, I don't think they have pops anymore, do they? What are pops? Uh, so Stellaris has Oh, yeah, they have pops. They have pops. They do, live on your, okay. colonies, in your colonies. Because yeah. from what I understand, from what I heard, 
is that this game has pretty recently, like within the last couple of months, had a, had a pretty massive overhaul in some respects. And I'd heard that they'd taken away the pop system on your uh, your colonies, but but you're saying it's well, still they're there. there. I don't know. I don't know what the system was before. Maybe they just changed and, it or something. And I believe the uh, colonies is the part that I least understand in this game. So your pops are your your population, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, you have to set them to doing thing or. I haven't played it since the update, but if you had like a, a sector of your planet that was agriculture, you had to put a pump in there doing the farming or if it was industrial, mm-hmm. they had to be doing the, the labor or whatever it was. They, they like don't the, do that automatically. The plebs or the serfs. I don't, I don't remember if they had like an automatic thing for that or not. Maybe. Like, so, they don't do that automatically. I've been playing this game completely <laughs> wrong because <I've, laughs> yeah, I haven't you, done any of that. You might go and check. Uh, cause you, you have might, like the laziest space civilization. You might be yeah. missing out on some efficiencies. Well, what what happened is I uh, I started up the game and I kind of fooled around, followed the tutorial, tinkered around with the menus, and I think I finally had figured out that I had I kind of had a grasp on it, uh, somewhat. I'm like, okay, now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna search the internet, and I searched and I found one of those articles that says like uh, top ten things that I wish I knew when I started Stellaris, and I read through it and it gave me a bunch of pointers. And I said, okay. And so I started out a one, – one of the problems I had with my first game is I uh, kind of got destroyed by some pirates and some enemy ships. They kind of – I came, came across them and they kind of just killed me really fast. Um, and so I started up a game and you can control all the settings in the game. And so I set it up with like no AI, so basically no bad guys, just so I could kind of figure out, you know, how to build and how to travel around and how to do stuff. And so I started doing that. And then uh, I got to the point where I think I had that down pretty pretty good. But I was like, okay, now I'm kind of bored because I don't have anyone to fight. So I started another game. Um, and I think I'm probably, I don't know, how many times? I've played quite a bit in that game. I'm probably, I don't know, three hours in this latest game that I'm playing where I'm actually focusing on building up an army and trying to actually do things the right way and... Do things the best I can. Um, according to the leaderboards with all the other AI guys I'm playing against, I'm like in 11th place. So I don't think that's very good. Uh, but I don't really of, know what I could... Out of 12 or like out of how many? I, I have no idea. However many other civilizations <laughs> are around. Yeah. So I, I, don't quite, I don't quite know. I feel like I've been fairly efficient with what I've been doing. Uh, but maybe I just haven't been managing my pops. Like, So you have like that stat that's like the influence, right? And so you have to spend influence to build uh, star bases, right? Um, and influence basically just comes in at a pretty set rate. Like you can't speed that up at all. You just have to wait for it to come and then you build out your star bases, however you want to build them out. And so I feel like I've spent my influence as it's come up to build a star base because star bases are like, I don't know, 70 influence or something. So every time I have 70 influence, I'm like dropping star bases and I'm dropping them in, in places where I figure I'd be able to build out the most, you know, mining stations and, or mining bases and research stations and stuff like that to collect other resources in the game. Uh, but it still seems to think that I'm only level um, like 11th place out of everybody that's playing that game. So I don't quite know what I'm doing, but I do have a pretty awesome fleet. Uh, I discovered the ship designer uh, in this playthrough. So I built my own ships, um, put my own parts on them to make them better. Uh, but I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he basically told me that a game of this can last like 100 hours if you want to get to completion sometimes. Uh, so yeah, not sure how, I'm not sure how long I'm going <laughs> to last in it, but it is a very, very relaxing game. And it's definitely got that, uh, that vibe of the, uh, you know, the one more turn, even though this is more of a, it's kind of a real time. I mean, time doesn't stop unless you pause it. Right. 
And so you're basically controlling in real time, um, but you can pause things and issue orders and then unpause it at will whenever you want to do it. Uh, but yeah, so I'm like, okay. Uh, so I find myself, you know, when I when I first started playing this game and I sat down and like also I looked up and it was like four hours later. And I think that's kind of the... Yeah, that's, that's the blessing and the curse of 4X games. Because you know that you're like, okay, if I can just wait a little bit longer, I'll be able to build that one more thing and one then I'll be turn. able to do this thing. Yep. So I just got to wait a little bit longer and I'll crank up the speed a little bit because in this game you can crank up the speed from normal to fast to faster. You can even slow it down if you wanted. Um, but the game is really, really pretty. It's really fun to 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 look at, and the space battles are really cool. I think all of the uh, units that I've seen so far are pretty pretty stylized, and they look pretty awesome. Uh, and the soundtrack is phenomenal. So I actually been listening to the soundtrack as well. It's on Spotify. It's also on Apple Music. Uh, so yeah, I think it's I think it's fun. I don't know. I've, I've never I never played the multiplayer, and I know there is. But how does that even work if you have if this these games last like a hundred hours? How do you do a multiplayer? I have no idea. You first of all, you make a life a lifetime commitment to one or more people, and then you play, and then you play. We should try it out and just to see what it what it does. If there's I'd be down like, for that. I, if I it actually like speeds up, or maybe it starts you off with like a preset, you know, system that's kind of already built out a little bit. I I, I have no idea, but I did click on the multiplayer tab, and there's games going on, but they're all like private games, so you can't just join it on somebody's mm. game. But I don't know, cause like, cause I remember in like uh, remember like Civilization had. Like games that you could play over email or something, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, asynchronous uh, play. Yeah. You would like, yeah, you would like take your turn and then pass it off. Mm -hmm. um, so the early game like would just take forever because your turns are really, really short. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I like it a lot. I, it seems like a really chill game. It also plays really well on my MacBook. So it's a game that I can play um, while I'm traveling as well. It'd be an awesome like airplane game. Like, dude, you make the flight go by so fast, right? I, I am surprised that more 4X games are just not straight up ported to mobile. You know? I mean, we know that we can play things like Civ Rev. Civ Rev is on is on well, mobile. Civ 5's on uh Switch, right? Or Civ 6. Civ 6, I think it Civ is. Civ 6 is, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm talking about just like on your phone or tablet or something. I mean, I guess Switch is okay. Switch is good. But but yeah, I mean, I just don't see Switch is okay. It's the greatest console ever made. Jeremy, mm, wow, boy, that I had a little acid reflux right just now. I don't know what that was about. Uh, <laughs> no, but but I mean, you know, just this sort of thing. It's like you know, tap here, tap there. It's like a perfect thing for like a touch interface. Save it, pick it up, and play anytime you want. I, I think maybe it's I because know. they they take a lot of processing power and that yeah. chews up your battery. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's reasons, but just in general, like, why don't we have fun games from like the 1990s on our phones today? I don't know. That, that different topic. It got a little bit off, but but yeah. I mean, Starlink is a perfect example of something that would be great on a tablet. Yeah, Stellaris. You mean? Sorry, Stellaris. Yes. I, I think I might pick up Civ Six eventually on the Switch if I can get it at a cheaper price. I suppose I don't think I'm gonna want to spend sixty bucks on it, but if I could get it for like thirty, I'd probably buy it. Um, because it'd be a sweet like airplane travel game. Like, how awesome would it be to like pull out Civilization and all of a sudden you blink and then you're at your destination, you're yeah. landing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like a time machine. Yeah. It only it only goes forward, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Man, for, so uh, I, I'm I'm having fun with this game. Four X is a thing I'm like gonna look more into, and like I said, I have endless space installed. So maybe I'll give that a shot next and see, and I'll give can compare and contrast versus my experience with this. I'm yeah. by no means a four X expert. I'm definitely a four X noob. Uh, actually, in, okay. in that sense, I am curious. What would you compare? Uh, uh, 
most closely, I guess, to the Stellaris experience, like based on what you've played before. Is it is based it on mo- what I've played? Yeah, is it mostly like Civilization, or is there something else that it kind of feels like? Probably more like Sins of a Solar Empire, oh or gosh. even Home. Maybe not Homeworld. Not Homeworld. Sins of a Solar Empire, probably. Mm. But I'm not very experienced in that game either. But I, I just have memories of that game being fairly slow paced as well. You tell me. I mean, you, you're like way into that game. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's there. I mean, they have different textures. Uh, Sins of a Solar Empire is excellent. And, uh, you know, I, I propose that we uh, that we have a big, uh, like long term 4X game going on for all the Game Bite show people. We just get into something and just like play it forever. What do you say, Sounds you guys? Like Stellaris. You, you, you into like a lifelong commitment? Yeah, Battlefield Five, baby, let's do this. No thanks. <laughs> no. All right, Jeremy, why don't you tell us all about Star Control Origins? Uh, yeah, actually, I did not play Star Control Origins this week. Uh, oh, I, I played something else with Star. I got confused going down my list of games that I had, and I played something else that begins with Star. Uh, I played Starlink: Battle for Atlas because I haven't played a Toys to Life game for a while, and I figured it was time to it was time to go. Now oh, is the time. Now. T- it yes, is it, never the time. Toys to life is coming back, baby. Um, nope. So I played uh, Starlink Battle for Atlas, uh, ordered it from like Newegg. And actually the f- first funny little story about it is that it came without the game. Uh, so I actually had to contact Ubisoft <laughs> and uh, apparently some number of their of their units went out without the actual software in it, and they're aware of it. So they made me send them some pictures and stuff and they asked me questions over and over send again. Send you pictures? Like what are you supposed to do? Yeah, I know. Like uh, here, I just yeah, took I didn't get it call. either. I don't yeah. know. Better send me one. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> anyway, why don't you send me the pictures that you sent them and I'll send them to them as well. Yeah, and we'll exactly. see what happens. Um, but, uh, anyhow, so once they got that sorted out, I uh, loaded that up. I did get the Switch version, the Nintendo Switch version, because, of course, that's the version that comes with all the Star Fox stuff. Do you guys remember the, uh, the E3, or the, I guess it would be E3, but the, actually it was E3, because it was on Ubisoft stage, wasn't it, where they had, uh, you know, Nintendo people there, and... I'm not gonna lie, I, I know nothing about this game, and I remember when it came out, and I knew nothing about it then. Okay. It was like a brand new thing to me, so I know nothing. I, I knew there was a Toys of Life game. Yeah, yeah. And I saw your weird pictures you posted. Oh, I, I post some weird pictures with Toys to Life Sounds stuff. to me, though, that there was a little bit of something different about this one. Like, it didn't roll out with quite as many plastic figures or something. Uh, not as many. So, I guess just to start off, this is basically Ubisoft's version of No Man's Sky. Um, and it's actually, it's really competent as far as, uh, as a No Man's Sky kind of game. Uh, the, the, the premise of the game actually is that, you know, there's, there's more of a story to it. So they have some, you know, Ubisoft, some, you know, very, um, European designed, uh, almost beyond good and evil type people, you know, a lot of piercings and shaved heads and things like that. And they, they're flying from earth because, uh, there's some cockamamie backstory about how they discovered some alien and they decided to fly off into outer space and they find this planet Atlas. Uh, and they're, I don't even know really what they're doing out there, but there's bad guys there and who really cares? Who really cares? I don't know. But there is more of a discreet story. Like you actually have characters who are named and they're like, you know, they're super, uh, you know, diversity team. All the people are on there and uh, they all have their own little ships and they can fly around and they do stuff. And, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm trying to think very critically about this story. I don't know what they do. I don't know. Wh- I don't know why they're out there. Um, but they go to this planet that they've named Atlas. And uh, before long, there's bad guys and the bad guys, uh, which are called the Legion, are they're red. So, you know, they're bad. And there's a bunch of them. So they're bad. And they are controlled by some overlords or something. Anyway, they're trying to take over the universe or whatever. 
But we've got these spaceships, right? And we can mix and match the parts of these spaceships. And the, the, the name of this team is called Starlink. And uh, ah. generally speaking... We um, really are the Starlink. Truly, we are Starlink. Um, we really are Starlink. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the writing and the, I guess, the scenario are probably a little bit below our age group. Just a little bit. Think, just a little bit. What, what would give you that, just, give that a just a little bit. Just a little bit. But... <laughs> the presentation actually is is pretty good. Um, I mean, in terms of the a lot of cutscenes, um, you know, a lot of cool looking uh, cinematics and things like that. And of course, the cool thing about the Switch version is that they have very deeply integrated Star Fox into this. In fact, with the starter edition that you get of Starlink, uh, you actually get an R wing. It's a literal R wing from Star Fox that has been adapted into this. Star Fox is. Dumb. Star Fox is, you know, whatever. I mean, it's all right, but um, <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, no. I mean, Star Fox is a game, or what? Do you, I mean, are you talking about Star Fox as a character or a concept or in general? It's like the worst IP that Nintendo has, aside from Kirby. I disagree with that. Donkey Kong is the worst IP that Nintendo has. No way, man. Donkey Kong Country. All right, about so that it's business. debatable. We can talk about it someday. But uh, oh, let's talk about it. This is happening. Kirby's better than than of the is the best of those three. I would wow. agree to that. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Kirby? No. Donkey yeah, Kong, Kirby, Kirby, Star Fox. Mm, I don't know. The thing is, I hate Kirby. Star Fox has some good stuff going for him gameplay-wise. In in this okay. game, though... K- Kirby's okay. Uh, his games just suck. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Kirby's all that great without his games either. I mean, it's not like he stands alone as no, some awesome uh, character. Canvas Curse is, is a great game. Canvas Curse is great. Yeah, that's true. What about Epic's Yarn? I played that one. I beat it. That's pretty all right, too. In Starlink Battle for Atlas, uh, Nintendo has basically allowed Ubisoft to pretty much have free reign with this character. And they've done a pretty, at first I thought it was going to be, well, here's just a ship model and maybe, you know, uh, you know, a character or whatever. But they've integrated Star Fox and, and the whole team into the cutscenes. Like you can sort of tell where the seams are a little bit. Like, okay, this cutscene wouldn't have had Star Fox on the PlayStation or the Xbox version, but now we have a whole scene with Star Fox and, and crew here. And it is extensive. Like I've actually been really surprised. You, you can sort of tell where they patched it in, but they do a pretty good job with it. Um, and basically it's just a vehicle for uh, getting you down onto a planet where you are either skimming over the surface or eventually you'll unlock the ability to fly and kind of go into like a free flight sort of thing. And it's literally like No Man's Sky. So there's animals down there and you can scan them and add them to your encyclopedia. Uh, there's resources that you're going to fight there or uh, that you're going to gather. There's bad guys that you're going to fight. There's uh, almost in like Destiny where they have... Uh, you know, here's a special hot zone and you want to go over there and destroy this enemy generator and get the special resources from that. Uh, There also are specific characters in uh, No Man's Sky. You might find sort of randomly generated, you know, Ooglark the traitor or something like that. And, you know, you go talk to him and he gives you some crystals or, you know, whatever. Here, though, they have an actual campaign, an actual storyline with main missions, and you can toggle between the main story missions and whatever other kind of optional side missions uh, there are now the toys. So let's talk about that for just a minute. So the way it works on the switch version is you actually get sort of like that. Um, the, the, what's that controller harness or whatever it is, the thing that comes with the switch originally, you can, yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that joy con thing that you slide them in, right? Joy-Con the grip. grip. Yeah, the grip. That's exactly right. 
Uh, so they give you your own custom grip and it has a little stand on it. And on that stand, you can put a number of little things. First of all, a pilot. You can either come with, you know, Ubisoft's generic, like, dude bro pilot, uh, which, you know, whatever, he's fine. They also give you a Star Fox, so you slide him on there. Then you take your ship, and in this case it's an R-Wing, and you put it over the top of him, and you can actually see him through the little cockpit like he's in there, and you can like, like hi, you can wave to him. Uh, and then on the ship, the wings, I actually did not realize this at first, but the wings are detachable, so you can mix and match wings, which give you different bonuses and things. Uh, and then you also have little mounts for, for two weapons on the left and right side. And the game is aware of this in real time. So as you switch these, and I gotta be honest, I'm not sure how the Joy-Cons are transmitting this, unless there's some like NFC. secret data port that, that it's, because, because that data is not something that would normally come from a Joy-Con, right? But somehow the Joy-Con is passing through the data from this from this uh, stand, I suppose. Um, and all of that stuff is hot swappable. And just like something like Disney Infinity or, or uh, even Amiibos had it a little bit, um, you know, not only is the game aware of what's in the mission, but you can up upgrade those things. And so part of the the idea is it tries to do that loop of, you know, kill some, some things and get resources so that you can upgrade your weapons so that you can go kill more things, so you can get more resources, so you can go kill more things. Um, and it does, it actually does a pretty good job of it. There are a few systems that are kind of annoying. Um, I find that the ships move a little bit slower over the terrain than I'd like, so I'm constantly using and then running out of boost. Um, there are, uh, if you, if you die, so the game is either, it kind of does that thing where it's either really, really easy or suddenly everything is like really, really difficult and you die a bunch. Um, just like Disney Infinity did this too. If you die, if you run out of health, you can either immediately swap another ship onto your stand, or if, like me, you've only got the one, then you have to respawn, you know, somewhere, you know, back a ways uh, that you came from. So there is kind of a little bit of an annoying element to it. And, uh, you know, I don't remember, Dale, what, what happens when you die in No Man's Sky? Does it just respawn you somewhere? Yeah, I don't, I don't really remember yeah, what I think, it does. I think so. Yeah, I think it just, you, yeah. you like, just reload. So with aside from that, there are little glyphs and, and things that you'll pick up and find and earn throughout the game. Because the whole, the whole point of this is that you want to upgrade those toys to life weapons that you are mounting on your ship. Actually, the cool thing is that they're sort of double sided, too. Like on one side, there might be a rocket launcher and on the other side, it's a Gatling gun. And the toy is sort of designed so that it can be forward or backward facing, uh, which is kind of neat. So they do give you a little bit to play with. Um, and then presumably you can mix and match all of the, the wings and the ship parts. And of course the, the pilot comes with their own abilities. So for example, the, the Ubisoft guy has like an orbital laser that'll come down from your mothership and Star Fox brings in one of his, uh, randomly one of his, uh, colleagues to come in and play as an AI ship and fight with you for a little while. So those things are kind of cool. And, uh, like I said, generally speaking, it's pretty competent. It kind of keeps you moving along with the story. So, you know, you never get too... I mean, I know some people with open world games like No Man's Sky will be sort of confused and not really know, well, where do I go next or what do I do? Here, they always give you some pretty clear objectives. So you're always playing through a main story. And from what I understand, it's a good 20 to 30 hours uh, to play that. But of course, at any point, you can go off and find, uh, you know, little side missions and things that you might want to do. And, uh, you know, little hot zones, like I said, little sort of public events, except they're not public. Um, th those kinds of things. Um, the only thing So how does is, the game work when you buy the digital version? You great question. That, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. So uh, the version that I got from Ubisoft was the digital version because they're like, oh, sorry about that. Let, you know, here, here's, here's your code for the game. And, um, and, and the other thing, too, is that if you want to play on your Switch, I mean, you won't necessarily want to take that whole thing with you. You'll just want to take your Switch with the Joy-Cons attached. 
basically the thing is all of the stuff that you can do with the, the toys you can basically if you if you tell it that you're playing in, i can't remember what the mode is but it's like digital mode or something and you basically go into a menu and swap that stuff out um the toys are pretty um, cool looking and you know they're they're all right but apparently there's not really any real benefit and you know you can go out and buy those extra ships i have seen them for half off already at target so i think normally they're like 20 the game is already half off on amazon right now yeah and i think it's only been out and for it's on sale f- on the switch as well uh yeah yeah and in fact i got it on a on a pretty steep sale uh on newegg myself it's 30 bucks right now on amazon uh, yeah, which isn't bad. And that's the starter edition, which I think normally is like 70 or something like 75. that, like 60. Yeah. Something along those lines. Um, and honestly, I kind of have a problem with toys to life where I kind of want to go out and just like get the things I might just do it. Like if they're half off at target again, next time I'm there, I might just like check them out and, you know, kind of see what's going on. But the thing that is sounds like a Jeremy ass thing to do. It, it is. Uh, but you don't have to do that. Uh, and in fact, um, I would almost suggest that Ubisoft didn't really incentivize the toys maybe as much as they should have. Because if you're going to go out and spend what for what essentially is physical DLC, um, you, you know, you might want to you might want to incentivize that more. Maybe, of course, in this case, this whole toys to life thing is, you know, about two years too late, um, you know, maybe three years if you want to have gotten on at the, at the right time. Um, but, you know, as far as adapting that physical component into a game that is competently executed like No Man's Sky. Um, you know, pretty, pretty decent, pretty decent. And, uh, you know, I, one of the first people that I talked about it with Jared and he's like, oh yeah, I bet my kids would love that. And you know what? I bet they would. Um, so if you, you know, have some kids who are interested in Amiibos or cool toys or video games or whatever, uh, Starlink Battle for Atlas is uh, definitely worth looking into, especially on the cheap. And, um, you know, it's, uh, like I said, you you can get the Switch version and get a little bit of that Nintendo IP going on in there. And, uh, you know, you can have a whole bunch of toys uh, scattered all over your floor, which is uh, pretty cool as well. So uh, generally speaking, I like it, but I think I like it more for the kids. I played it with my 10 year old and she was like, wow, dad, this could be a movie. Like she was real excited about it. Um, so I, uh, I think there is kind of some some cool uh, element to it. I don't know that it is. I still I still think my favorite Toys to Life game of all time was Disney Infinity just because they were so clever with the way that they did it. Um, but this is decent. Um, you know, there, there's toys and you can put them on there and it's kind of fun to play with them a little bit. But, uh, you know, other than that, it is a, a pretty decent. No How Man's good does Sky. the toys themselves look? Because the, that was the thing with Infinity is they, they looked really cool. Yeah, and actually these also are really cool, and it's really kind of neat how they fit together and stuff. And I'm kind of curious to see, you know, if I can find some of those ships. I kind of want to pull the wings off the R-Wing and put on some of their, you know, uh, proprietary Ubisoft ship designs and kind of see how that turns out. But, you know, it is kind of cool, like fitting the cockpit over the top of the character who's on the mount and seeing him in there. And there's lights, and I don't know where the lights are coming from, but... I actually, I don't know how this thing works in general, like mechanically, because the, the back of the R-Wing, the exhaust, like has, it lights up blue kind of, just like a faint little blue. Um, and I guess it's probably just piping it through from the Joy-Con lights, I, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's it's got, you know, sufficient, sufficient cool factor, I think. Uh, but the toys definitely look good. And, um, you know, the one thing I was disappointed, though, is you have that thing. It's actually mounted on the controller in front of you, and it doesn't use any motion controls, I'm afraid. So um, there, there is a little mm. problem that I found. The Wouldn't left that be the stick, coolest? Yeah, flying your plane around. Uh, hey, uh, let me tell you, I have made some mouth Captain sounds. Power. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I'm glad. Oh, Dale, that is a great reference. That is such a good reference. Um, but it, do, it does not have any gestural controls. And the thing is that 
Um, the left stick normally, it, the left stick is your like throttle and kind of some left to right movement, and the right stick is your um, your tilt, you know, your your attitude. Uh, and the problem is that your face buttons also are like your boost and, and things, so you can't like hold down the boost on the Joy-Con and then still steer your ship. So you have to kind of do the the you know the Monster Hunter claw that you used to have to do with the, the PSP. Um, which is, I, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't come up with a better way to do it. <laughs> so th there are some little things here and there that are kind of annoying. Again, some of the systems are, are a little bit buggy, not, not buggy, but they bug me. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the weapons are underpowered until you really start to level them up. But, uh, like I said, it's fun. It'll, you know, burn, burn some time and, and get your kids off your case for a little while. And, uh, you know, they, they like I said, they're kind of cool. So, uh, Starlink Battle for Atlas, uh, on Switch, I believe it's also on PlayStation 4 and Xbox. I don't know how the controllers work or if you really mount the things for those. I, I have no idea what those look like, but, uh, yeah, with the, with the Switch, you just slide those Joy-Cons right in and, uh, and away you go. So check it out, especially on discount. You can, you can get it. There you go. Starlink. Cool. Thanks, man. No problem. Uh, Dale. Uh, well, uh, you know, also speaking of uh, character-based Nintendo IP featuring stuff for kids on the Switch, uh, I picked up, um, at the request of my, my daughters, no less, um, I got Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. The hell you didn't. I did. Aw, they requested it? We That's had so a pack. Yeah, they wanted That's it. They cute. wanted it. And, uh, and so I, so I got it for him. Um, and I sat down last night to try to figure out like, just what is this game? Cause, cause I've never played one of these smash bros games, uh, despite them being on well, like the last five generations of Nintendo consoles. Um, and it's, it's bizarre. Cause like when you look at it, it's just like the most chaotic form of fighting game that you could really ever see because it's got it's basically the worst. <laughs> it's always got like at least four characters on the screen and they're always doing crazy, like just over the top, you know, animations and flying all over the place. And then like all the, all the stages are like floating in midair. And if you fall off the sides, uh, that's basically how you lose is you, you fall down and you can't, you, you can't get your jump, double jump to get back up on the stage. Um, but yeah, it's it's just really weird, uh, especially because if, if you come at it expecting it to be anything like a fighting game, like Street Fighter, you know, or or uh, you know any anything in that so whole sort of genre, <laughs> it's it's very much um, it's like analogous to those, but at the same time pretty different uh, because you have one button for attacking, and you have one button for doing a special move attack. Um, and both of these you can combine with a direction that you press. Um, but how far you press in the direction also figures into things. So um, apparently if you press just a little bit in the direction and hit your button, you'll do like a special attack or like a keyed directional attack. But if you press really? all the way, then you're doing a smash attack, which is... Is that new? I've never heard... I've played every Smash Brothers and I did not know that. I don't know if it's new because this is the first one I've ever played. But that's how, how that? it works. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's... Yeah, it's just really weird. And so uh, I got in there and, when, you know, when, when we first got the game, I hooked up the three controllers that we have because I just got like the two stock Joy-Cons and then a, a Pro controller. Uh, and, and with my two daughters, we just kind of sat down and played a little bit of the freeform smash. You know, I put in a couple of, um, CPU players for like when it was just the two of them or when, uh, there'd be like one. So there was always kind of like four people on it. And 
because obviously none of us knew anything about what we're doing and the game is pretty much unintelligible, we're all on equal footing. And, um, but that's good. So my, my four and a half year old could, uh, could have a good time just mashing buttons and, um, you know, they, they would both pick Bowser and they'd be two different colored Bowsers and just fighting each other. And they, they have fun with that. Um, but anyway, yesterday I sat down on my own to just kind of try to like wrap my head around this thing. And I looked at a couple of the extra modes. So in addition to the like just, you know, uh, standard smash mode where it's just like multiplayer fighting, there's a a thing called adventure mode. Or, I don't know what it's called. But it's it's like a, each fighter, so each of the like 72 characters or whatever, um, has its own fighting game style set of battles that you can that you progress through with different challengers. And um, so if you're playing as Donkey Kong, like the first guy you fight is Diddy Kong. And then from that point on, Diddy Kong is like on your team. And then you fight all these other guys um, up to like, you know, I think, I think it's just like five or six rounds. And then as you're doing this, you're unlocking stuff in the game. So the game is just full of unlocking all kinds of things, right? So you're unlocking like playable characters. You're unlocking these things that are called spirits, which are like your, it's like your equipment or like your set of buffs when you go into a match is basically what those are. And those are represented by just a myriad of other um, series characters, cameos of other characters. So like the first spirit that I got or the one that I started the game with was a, a Mega Man robot master called Cutman. Uh, and he's not a playable character, but he's just kind of like exists in the game as a thing that you can equip for a passive bonus when you're fighting sort of thing. It, it, so I've, I've always wondered about these spirits because I've heard about them. Are they like character modeled things? Do they no, float around? They're, or they're, they're, they're 2D art. So it's like, um, I guess the idea is that they're like cheering on the corner, cheering for you in your corner or something. But no, they don't oh. pop up in the game. Um, they're just like little art that's on your profile when you go to oh okay when you, when you're and they the had something system. like that in playstation all-stars i think um except those were modeled uh but it's not like they pop out in the game although sometimes other characters do come out and help you in the game but i think those are almost actually no they're probably not the playable ones i you know jeremy i think the answer is it depends because it, it sounds okay. like it could probably be a mix of things right um well, well, there's there's also like uh, summons and items that you can, you know, like there's a Pokeball yeah. item that you can get, and those are always going to be Pokemon that come out and have an effect. Yeah, on the so I guess I don't know if those are spirits or if those are if that's if that's a separate category, or maybe right. there are okay. some spirits that are summonable and or Pokeballable or, or you know whatever. Right, right, and maybe and, and some of them aren't. I guess, I, but it, no, literally, I looked at the list of all the spirits in the game, and it's like twelve hundred and sixty-seven. Or something that's so, stupid so it's i mean it's a ridiculous amount right and so i've i've heard that they have like all the shovel knight characters in there i know that they have characters from like bayonetta and sonic and all the nintendo properties and simon belmont and snake is in there like a bunch of characters from metal gear are in there apparently like Paz and master miller and uh or Kaz, uh a bunch of other people um it's Really insane. Uh, so anyway, I played around with this one mode for a little bit. And then I also like looked through the menu systems and I looked it through like some of the tutorial, like help section stuff to just kind of figure out like, cause I, like I said, I've never played one of these games. It doesn't come with a manual. Uh, 
at least not when you buy it from the store, right? Maybe there's a digital manual or whatever, but that's when I was going through the help screens. And I noticed that if you look at a move list, there's a ton of different moves and techniques that are possible in this game. So that makes me think that um, it is, it does have like some real depth to it if you're into the, like the FGC style, like Evo competition of like doing the thing where you're like spacing and counting frames and canceling out of animations and all that. It seems like all of that is possible in a game of this sort of um, complexity. Well, and, um, and furthermore, the stages are all sort of themed and different. Oh, and, and there's a lot like a hundred stages. Yeah, yeah. And, and like weird special things might happen, little events like some, you know, uh, all the stages know, have like, like I think a base of at least three variants where um, I, I forget what they are, but one of them involves like it being easier to fall off or something. Um, it's just it's really insane if you look at like how much stuff goes into this game. And I haven't even gotten to the to the other thing I wanted to talk about yet, which was the so in addition to the adventure mode thing I was talking about, which I think that's what they call it, but there's also this like this RPG mode in there that's called um, world of light or a world of light. Um, and so th- this is where like, this is like the story campaign. So if you yeah, see they, they had something in the last game called subspace emissary or something, and it was sort of like the, yeah, yeah, it's the single player campaign sort of thing. If right. you saw that um, cinematic where like the, all the, all the guys get, get killed or whatever. And Kirby's yeah. the only one left. <laughs> uh, th- that's what this is, right? This is, it starts off with Kirby being the only like hero left in the world and he has to go around and fight the like proxy versions of all the other heroes and then as you defeat them um a bunch of spirits that have been like slaved to to controlling those those proxy versions of the other heroes you free them and then they like join your side so like the first battle that Kirby gets in is versus Mario but it's not like it's not like Mario the playable character it's like Mario's facsimile and then mm-hmm. when you beat him it turns out that that facsimile was being controlled by um, a spirit, and I forget which one it was, but it was it's like probably Xenohort, and now it's a no. King I think it was. Crossover. I think it was like the Pokemon EV or something, because um, EV was one of the first spirits that I got. Anyway, so you get into these like battles with these like facsimile players or the, the playable characters, like the the copied version of them on the map, but they're all being controlled by like this spirit. And so when you defeat them, what happens is the spirit comes under your control and then and they join you or whatever, not the playable character. Oh that way wait, that's weird now. I was with you until until then. Oh uh, it's just a man, it's a weird game. Uh but you're going around this like overworld map and as you unlock these spirits, you sometimes unlock fighters too. So after a few battles, I actually did unlock Mario to play. And so so from that point on, I had – you start with Kirby in this mode only, Kirby. And then you can unlock Mario. And then from that point on, I started unlocking like Villager from Animal Crossing and um, uh, I don't know, maybe somebody else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and the, There's so many, there's, right? There's a ton of them, right? And But you you have this like inventory basically in this mode where it's like your spirits and you can go in there and you can like nominate, this is your primary spirit. And um, so there's primary and then there's like secondary spirits and the primary spirits give you like a more substantial uh, sort of passive bonus or whatever. And then the secondary ones 
depending on how many of your secondary spirit slots they take up, they also have an ability that like, I, I want you to listen. You sound like you're, you sound like a Scientologist right now. Yeah. No, it's, it's like super it's Scientology brothers. It's weird. It's, it's, it's really crazy. Nothing that you have said has made me want to play this game. Do you like a stupid fighting game where you just like jam the buttons <laughs> and knock people around? And when you How about lose, give me a you don't really PlayStation All Stars Ultimate. Oh man, I am so. Uh, we need that. The world needs am I right? it. The world needs it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I'm a little bit closer. I think I'm a little bit closer to understanding what this game is, but it's it's still just baffling, and um, <laughs> I don't see how anybody could actually like be a a serious like competitive player of this game just because it's so it's just so random i mean in in what i what i mean by that is there's like tons of rng you know sorts of effects that happen when you're playing because like all those the myriad of spirits that are within the game can pop out and do things um but also it just seems so weird you know it's just a weird game <laughs> yeah okay that's fair that's fair well Keep on, keep with it. You know, I'm interested in uh, in in seeing you get to the uh, the top tier. I need to know the meta. I need I need to see you at the because uh... I mean the the meta could really be anybody, right? It could be it could be Doctor Wiley. It's it's yeah. it's uh, Bowser. It could be yeah, it could be Spoiler Bowser. Alert. Yeah, I mean honestly, I I have enjoyed Super Smash Brothers. Um, it's I think it's more like all the stuff surround like the weird stuff. You know, Del, like you get that weird vibe from a lot of it. Like, why is this even in this game? That's this like I I imagine Masahiro Sakurai like with one of those uh you know conspiracy boards. <laughs> Or something like trying to plot like it's like oh the spirits are down here and you can unlock this spirit but if you fight this guy you unlock that thing and it it just you know that I think that's the stuff that puts me off on it but the core game itself is all right the the whole like weird morass of interlocking crazy stuff is it's just emblematic it's exemplified by the menu system of the game which is just it's labyrinthine and, and it's just Byzantine and it's it's from the beginning it's like there's these like there's like a center circle and then there's like these wedges off the circle. And then each one of those goes down like two or three different layers and they go into like different things, but they're not sectioned off like you would think. It's not like multiplayer, single player practice or whatever. It's like, there's a little bit of everything in each one of these. And it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I I feel like the, my new benchmark for am I getting old is that I'm starting to like really get lost in user interface. Uh, this is a, this is one that you will get lost in. (laughs) I guarantee it. Makes me feel old. You played Stellaris lately? No, no, okay. I, I'm too confused to play a game like that. But yeah, so anyhow, well, uh, speaking of labyrinthine and uh, confusing, and uh, will make you feel old, uh, guys. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Game Bite Show podcast. But we're gonna be doing this again in just a few days because we've got more stuff to talk to you about. More video games are going on, and at the top of the week, we're gonna be back to talk to you about the news and the new releases and a special topic of discussion. And uh, we certainly would love to see you there for that. If you have any comments, questions, or uh, immediate concerns, I guess about any of the games that we've talked about, uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media. You can find us collectively at Game Bite Show on Twitter. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. And I am at Count Elmdor. Our fourth man, Jared Red Eye Dunn, is at R-E-D underscore I. Find him over at twitch.tv slash Game Bite Show, where we have launched a new paradigm 
in Game Byte show video streams. Uh, Jared's put a lot of effort into some new uh, uh, overlays, and like he's got a format. He's actually done some really cool stuff with it. And uh, this past week we played uh, There Came an Echo, I believe it's called, where it was a completely voice-controlled tactical combat game, uh, which was a lot of fun. So uh, come join us there, subscribe there. Uh, check out youtube.com slash gamebyteshow, gamebyteshow.com, where you can subscribe to our podcast, find links to our Discord server, come join us there as well. Lots of good stuff going on. And uh, like I said, uh, make sure that you uh, check your feed because we're going to be back to edify you and inform you and entertain you and delight you very shortly with another episode. But until then, this has been your Game Byte Show podcast. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Bye. Be seeing you. Feet and clear. Feet and clear.